Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset. And today I'm joined by my friend, Richard Harris. And he is a man in England with a beard and blue eyes that beam with the brilliance of a quasar. And he has one of the top channels on the LBRY slash Odyssey platform, which is the probably, I think, the biggest free speech platform on the internet. And on his channel, he inspires thousands on a weekly basis to reject the slavery that is imposed upon us so seductively and stealthily by all of the um, actors and trends and forces in modernity. And so today we are going to connect the philosophical to the pragmatic in this uh, quest and in this mission and this desire that I think we all share for a life and a world of greater freedom. How are you doing today, bro? <laughs> well, I feel very honored to get an introduction like that, John. That's uh, very nice, but I'm happy. Thank you. The, uh, the bulletproof coffee is just kicking in. Oh, on your side? Nice. <laughs> nice. I have gone off of caffeine because I received this box of really strong nootropics. And I need to, yeah, if I, if I stack those on top of the BP coffee, then it's just, uh, yeah, then it's just a little bit too much. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm taking a little bit of a, little bit of a break, switching to, switching to decaf. Well, okay. Okay. So, so I, I know you're supposed to ask me something, but I'd like to ask you if you could, because I, I haven't studied the nootropics very much in the last like year or two. So if you could bring me up to speed and say like, three or four really good nootropic insights from the last year or two. Like for someone like me that has a very good foundation, but wants like the cutting edge stuff, what would you recommend? Okay. So the nootropic space is kind of growing up a bit. Back in the day when I first got into it, it was about just finding like the most intense stimulants you could, like taking like uh, modafinil, which is this smart drug that they give I tried to it. Oh, yeah. D did you like it? Yeah, yeah I did. I, I, the way I wrote it down was like, this, this is a once in a six month thing when you've got an all nighter to do and you need to be laser focused for that day or something, you know? Yeah, it's it's a pretty intense focus drug. They would give it to like F-117 stealth fighter pilots. They'd give it to helicopter pilots so that they could do like um like 25 hour missions and yeah. stay stay sharp, stay yeah. stay savvy up there. And so people would take like modafinil and stack it with phenylperacetam and then add some nicotine on top of it. And but then we we all grew up just a little bit and we realized that you end up having a higher baseline of cognitive performance if your sleep is really good. And yeah. the, those hardcore stimulants like the modafinil, there's the, and, uh, excess amounts of caffeine, uh, nicotine too late in the day, those nootropics hurt 
sleep quality. Even if you kind of, even if you feel like you're over the hump of that uh, productivity bell curve stimulation that the nootropic gives you, even if you feel like you're well over that hump uh, by the time that you're laying down in bed, it will, it'll still mess with your, it'll still mess with your, your, your sleep. It, it even happens to me from time to time. And so, yeah, so a lot of biohackers now are focusing a lot on the sleep hacking, which is taking that two or three hours before bedtime and getting really disciplined about the regimen in that period of time. So that okay. the sleep is really, really on point. And then you, and then you don't need so many nootropics or you don't need such high dosages because sleep itself is such a nootropic. Yeah. Yeah. I, you explained that so beautifully. So I'm using um, Cliff High's Pure Sleep at the moment. Is that one that you're familiar with? No, I'm not. What are the ingredients in it? Oh, uh, we don't, we'd have to sort of like break the flow and look into it. Like it's, it, I, I know that it's not, cause a lot of them are like serotonin based, aren't they? They're like, um, like five HTP and then derivatives of that in order to get that, um, the melatonin, um, thing kicking off. And he explicitly says it's not that it's a different bunch of mechanisms. And I think it's a load of precursors for like things like growth hormone and stuff like that. But, um, Man, if you have time to look into it, I'd love to hear your like expert opinion on it. Tell me if I'm onto something good or or not. Yeah, pure sleep generation two at pure bulk. Let's take a look at it <laughs> now. Okay, so it's a powder one. Does it taste good as a powder? It tastes excellent and it feels good. It feels like it's doing me good. And and weirdly, if I'm in a bad mood, it really lifts me out of it in the evening, which is which is a bit eerie. Oh. Yeah, that's nice when they when they nail the taste. Back in the day, nootropics was not, it was a nasty business. The tastes were pretty awful. But a lot of companies now are paying it. They, they're, they're just trying to mainstream things. And you got to make things taste good if you're looking yeah. to mainstream. Okay, so I'm looking at these supplement facts on the packaging here on purebulk.com. And it has magnesium, 60 milligrams from magnesium bisglycinate and then magnesium citrate. That is a low, low dosage of magnesium. I would say I take about 400 magnesium yes. in, the, in the evening, especially, especially if I've had more of a carnivore kind of day with a lot of, with a lot of meat and I need, I'm going to need a little bit of help in the bathroom the next morning, I'll take, uh, yeah, like four or 500. So 60 milligrams is a little bit low. And then there's about 1800 milligrams, which is a proprietary pure sleep blend. And I don't like that when they say proprietary blend and they don't disclose what it, what it is. So the pro tip for nootropics, people, uh, really anybody buying supplements, is that you want to double check the COA that it is overnight, that the assay conforms over 97% and that the COA is of American or European origin, that it's from an accredited lab. That's one of the major, one of the major kinds of things that I would that I would look for. But yeah, if it's if it's helping you, if it's helping you sleep, 
than anything that helps you sleep is a lever by which you multiply your effectiveness with anything else that you do in life. Thanks for sharing that, man. I feel like I got some good tips there for free. Okay, okay. Before any more tips, we need to pray. We're going to have the very brief paraphrased prayer. I swear upon the altar of God, eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. Amen. Amen. And that was from uh, Thomas Jefferson. I believe that was Thomas Jefferson originally for the people who are curious. Yeah, I'm a big fan of your founding fathers. Yeah, the... Uh, there was a remarkable documentary I watched. It was called, oh, I'm going to dig back up the, the title of this documentary and I'll link it. But it was a documentary all about the founding fathers. And it was explaining how it was explaining their spirituality. It was explaining their occultic Ooh. spirituality. Please and send that to me. I would like to see that. Very much. Yeah. Okay. It was called Belly of the Beast. It was like a two, two and a half hour documentary. And it explains how the, it explains how America is a country that was, or for most of its history, it's a country that's full of Christian people, but it is not a Christian nation. It is a Neo, it's a st the uh, the all the symbology and the intentions that the founders had was to create this uh, neo pagan occultic nation. They never there there was never an intention to create a Christian nation. And you can see this. You you walk. You can walk all over uh, Washington D.C. and go and look at all of that uh, mind blowing architecture and sculpture there in Washington D.C. And you'll never see a crucifix. What you see over and over and over again is you see all of this occultic uh, pagan architecture. And that's yeah, that's reflective of the intentions of the founding of the founding fathers, which, which for me, that doesn't, uh, I'm not throwing out the baby with the bathwater there, but it's, um, yeah, the founding of our country is, uh, it's, 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 there's so many, there's 77 different layers to it, which, uh, manifest in all these different, you, you know, if you, if you ask the average American Christian today, they'd say, our America is doing a shitty job of being a Christian nation. And that's, that's because that's not what it's supposed to be. You could make the you could make the case that it is supposed to be a Luciferic uh, nation. Well, well, maybe maybe we we will part company a little way there because I like I, just just because something is 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 occult, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be Luciferian. Like um, so the the Golden Dawn, for example, which is like one of the main big Western occult organization that just looks every bit occult um, is, is explicitly God oriented. Like the, uh, you know, the, the rituals that you do in that kind of thing are so oriented to like aligning your being with like the ultimate source of reality and like, and it's various different manifestations. In fact, it's, it, truly, it seems more God oriented to me than attending like church 
which I did often as a kid. Like you, you, you obsess about it more. Um, so, so like you, to understand whether something's Luciferian or not, you've got to think, right, the proof's in the pudding. Let's see what these guys, and I'm not saying explicitly it's not, by the way, or there aren't Luciferian elements within, within America, like, and, and the leadership, there definitely are. Check out Bohemian Grove if you want to see that sort of thing, which is like, you know, Moloch worship, which, you know, you could say is a strand of that whole Luciferian mythology, perhaps. But um, where, where was I going with this? Yeah, I lost Wait. my train. Yeah, go on. Sure. Have you attended one of the Golden Dawn, one of their powwows? No, no, I won't. Um, because like one of the problems with the end of the age of Pisces is that like you is the Luciferian problem. Like you have these centralized authorities, which you had to get in the end of the, the age of Pisces. And then in this phase, they all get inverted. So instead of following the good fish, the Christ, and like letting that be your guide point, instead, like the worst narcissist in the country is now or, or in your local area is the head fish of this little school that you're schooled in and you know if you want to if you want to like be you know be near the top of that power pyramid you've got to do this like 48 laws of power like kind of like machiavellian bunch of tricks to get there and i explicitly want nothing to do with that so if a hundred years ago at the time when the founding fathers were doing their stuff i would have loved to have been a freemason uh, for example, who, you know, and, 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 and do that like obsessive, like character building kind of stuff. Like I, I like all that stuff. If you listen to, um, who's the guy that wrote Albert Pike, the guy that wrote morals and dogma, like you, you just listen to the way the guy talks. He's obsessing about like how to cultivate your character and that sort of thing. So that I would like, but now if I attended a Freemason lodge or especially something like a golden dawn temple, I know what characters would be there. There'd be four out of 10 on spiritual ability. So it's just enough to be dangerous, but like too low to actually be able to teach you anything good for most of them. And it would, they, most of them would be prideful and narcissistic to the core. And the whole thing would be this big power structure. And if you speak out or worse yet, if you do anything that's like dangerously too smart for like the head fish or the second head fish, then that power structure is going to come after you. And I don't want that at all. Like I, you, you could, if, for those of you that understand the, 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 the astrology a bit more, you, you can hear the spirit of the Aquarian age in, in, in my voice there. Like I, I don't want to be confined by that sort of shit, especially not an inverted power structure where the worst possible person is put at the top. And, and like these inverted principles, these narcissistic, uh, psychopathic Mach Machiavellian principles are the principles which get to get you to the top of it. I've no interest in that whatsoever. I have a deep interest in building a bridge uh, to, from, from my egoic consciousness to the source of this universe, the Pleomera, I think if I'm saying that right, the Einsoft or the limitless light. Um, that, that's what I want to connect to. And I want to grow my spiritual craft. I have no interest in like power at the expense of love and like playing politics and all that Machiavellian crap. And I have an understanding that basically any centralized authority you're going to be involved in now must, because of the zeitgeist that we're in from the end of the age of Pisces, uh, be expressing itself. Does that, does that make sense? Like, I don't know how highfalutin that was or like, is it clear? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they say that uh, political power is as addictive as cocaine or whatever drug and it's worse. I, I bet it is. Yeah. 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 I, I, you know, I had, Oh, I, okay. Okay. I had a taste of this. I got a taste of this. Um, it was in 2016 in Kiev, Ukraine. 
That's where I lived at the time. And they were doing a debate. They, uh, they, they wanted to get a person to represent uh, the Republicans and Donald Trump. And then they wanted to get a person to represent the Democrats and Hillary Clinton, and then have a, uh, have a televised debate there in a uh, bar in okay. Kiev. And apparently they couldn't find anyone to represent Donald Trump. So I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and I, I, um, I've hated the Republicans for uh, quite for quite a while, um, and at this point, I'm very very ambivalent about Trump. But at the time, at the time, <clears throat> that seemed like the better. That seemed like the the clear choice for uh, for sustaining uh, you know what was decent and good about America. So I said, yeah, I'd love to go and represent uh, represent him in your debate. And I, uh, so they, they scheduled the debate and they had an English language newspaper there in Kiev. And so they announced the debate and then they put, they put me and the other guy in the newspaper. And the newspaper was uh, fairly popular amongst the, in the, the center of Kiev where I would hang out. And so I would get, I'd get noticed quite a bit. Um, I got, I got in a couple of like, like debates with like random people and in bars and things like that. And then I, and then the debate itself was a total, was a total rush. Um, I, I, it was, it was totally exciting to come into a room and, you know, do verbal battle in front of, you know, a hundred people and. Which you're uh, good at, by the way, that, that's your domain. You'd, you'd shine in that uh, arena, wouldn't you? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I did pretty good. I, I, I definitely I won some votes. I, <laughs> I, I won some people over. I had a couple of people tell me that their mind was changed. And so the, so the debate, the public performance aspect of it was totally intoxicating for me. And then afterwards, I have like these uh, attractive youngish Ukrainian uh, journalists who are like coming up to me who are like really interested in my opinion on things. It was like, yeah, even just that little, that little taste. I was like, oh, maybe maybe I should get into this political (laughs) activism thing a little bit more. This was, this is really, so, so I can understand that the yeah, the the people that like get to go and order a squadron of F twenty twos to go and bomb a country, like that level of intoxication would be. Yeah, it's probably beyond heroin, fentanyl, nicotine, cocaine. No, it is. It is. It's it's worse than all the above. So so let's dive into this because I, I think our audience might benefit from this. So 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 there's an idea that comes from this uh, legitimate challenge that we've expressed here. Where like, all right, just shun power. And like, and it's like, no, that's no good. Because one, like power is an expression of God. It's the divine mind. So when you, you know, you do like the kingdom, uh, the the power and the glory are yours, right? So like power is, a, is an expression of it. And it's, it means it's a part of you too, which means that you've, um, you know, you've got to master it. And also you can be as good and as truth oriented as you like. If you're powerless, it's a bit shit, isn't it? It's no, you, 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 you don't have the will and the power to manifest your, your good. 
So there's, there's, there's a lot of slipperiness there. And the solution isn't just have no power because then they will create a vacuum of the power and the worst possible person will fill that vacuum as we have now at the end of the age of Pisces where a bunch of hyper-narcissists, psychopath-type people are uh, up to no good. So, okay, so, so, then, so then what do you do about it? And, and from, this is something I've been thinking about a lot the last 12 months, and, I, and I've realised, like, should there ever be a point in my life where, like, power is poured upon me? There's a few things I want to do first. First thing I want to do is make my psyche as, as refined and as chiselled as it can possibly be. So when that bucket is poured on me, I can fucking handle it with as with as least damage possible because it is it I'm looking at it as it is look this is going to be worse than computer games which I got badly addicted to worse than you know the the most seductive sex worse than heroin it's going to be really fucking difficult so I want to chisel away my character as best I can beforehand um and then an, another insight that your audience might benefit from is that the times where I've handled the little trickles of power that I've had well or when I am explicitly not chasing it at all. And instead what happens is you see a job that needs to be done and you look around and you're like, oh, fuck me. There's no one else that can do this job as better as me. And it's not coming from your ego because you don't want it. Like you don't want the stress of it. You don't want the, 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 the um, just the horrors that, that come with wielding power. But what you do is is, is kind of like Marcus Aurelius, like you, you, you kneel wearily to it. You say, okay, no one else can do this job as better as me. If there is, I wish they could do it, but I'm the best person. And then you kneel towards a duty to do it. And I think when you do it within that framework, the power can flow through you in a safer way. But it is, I mean, your your story is like, it's like not even one out of 10 on the power scale. And like, look how seductive that is, right? Yeah. I think I'm the kind of person that could totally become uh, like a, a, a sociopathic power addict. Um, I'm I'm naturally like a a more selfish, more individualistic kind of kind of person. So my um, yeah, I think I think I'm one of those people that could like yeah, I could go a little bit go a little bit crazy and i don't know end up end up like joe biden <laughs> or, or 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 something like that um which is wait, wait, wait. so so let's explore that so like so because i don't want you to end up like joe biden right because i don't think that's a happy life and i certainly don't think it's good for people around him right not his kids and not his country right so like yeah. what do you think you could do to be ready so that should power be channeled through you in this life you're a couple of steps better prepared for it okay actually I have an answer to that that may surprise you a bit, which I think something that's going to inoculate me a bit from that sort of intoxication, if it's ever something that I have within my grasp, is finding my soulmate when I was poor. Mm. Because expand on that. Yeah, because a lot... A lot of the lust for power is the lust for women, because yeah, it, yeah. as as the uh, esteemed relationship uh, advice guru Tony Montana, what did he say? First, you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the women, right? And yeah, and, yeah. and and uh, yeah, that access that like uh, sexual access that power affords 
is that's probably pretty close to the to the main to one of the main motivators that 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 men have where they are selling their selling their souls and casting all ethics and decency and morality off and just pursuing power the yeah just the the access to women that they get out of that is is i think probably what motivates a lot yeah. of this really psychopathic behavior in mike in my case i uh i uh met my now wife i seduced her courted her uh won her mind body soul spirit um while i was poor or while i was a man of very meager means right and so i so so i so i don't in my mind the my sexual partner in life that's irreplaceable to me that no one else compares to i didn't i didn't win that because of uh power because of material resources or yeah. anything or anything like that so i think that i th i think that in the future if i ever had a lot of power uh, presented to me it would not come with like a side dish of uh of like being able to bang supermodels it would yeah. like i would see it a little bit more soberly so that might be this might be part of the reason why like in our culture they would like in the past it's not this way now but maybe 50 60 100 years ago in our culture like if you were a bachelor your upward mobility in society was limited if you were like a single like like you wouldn't get like a job on the board of a corporation if you were if you were a single bachelor they'd be like uh we need uh, we want married guys on the board of yeah, yeah, yeah. of uh, yeah, that makes makes sense yeah yeah i i think you described that so beautifully and it, and you're right i wasn't expecting that kind of answer so like things that can help you are like having your soulmate and having that thing dialed in um kneeling towards duty not trying to raise yourself above people but kneeling towards duty and then chiseling away at your character without all the power as best you can so it's a good receptacle so that should that energy flow through you it's robust enough to handle it yeah yeah okay so switching things up a bit in one of your recent live streams you were talking about visiting sacred sites in the near future have you have you done are you doing that this week next week are you are you gonna get me talking here john uh yeah so uh sacred sites it's it's a massive branch of my spiritual practice that's extremely powerful it's 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 something that really delivers and uh yeah i do it all the time i mean even without harm we're in harmony time right now because it's just after the um the equinox and the uh do you want me to just start going into this because your audience might actually i'm not uh, going to hold you back <laughs> all right that's good to hear okay so so sacred site okay so the earth is crisscrossed with these um energy lines and depending on how you count them there's like 15 or 20 of them you uh i think all of them can be measured with physics things so if you've got like refined enough things from western science physics you can measure them the the ones people often talk about are actually lo ultra low frequency sound 
lines. Uh, we, we, um, we, so when we talk about energy lines in this conversation, we're mostly referring to those, but they don't have to be. Like I think the banker grid, which is one that almost no one knows about, is like some some like other. I don't know if it's EMF or if it's like some sort banker, of electric. bank bank banker B E N K E R. Yeah, it's it's really again you got to be in the weeds <laughs> in in the like kind of dowsing and sort of like earth energy lines culture or the all the deep state physics to understand that. Fun fact, just to just to throw you a little tantalizing little morsel to maybe get your curiosity. In Rendlesham Forest, which is in, in the east of England where I grew up, I live in the West Country now, but in the, in the east, there's a place called Rendlesham Forest. And it was fam- it was like our our Roswell. There's this really famous UFO landing that happened there. But the gre- the banker grid, which is all crisscrossed and it's like the, I think it's these neat um like uh, rectangles like crisscrossed all around the world. It's been stretched out there. Uh, at, at Rendlesham Forest, and I think the idea is that the, 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 the sort of like secret military people were fucking around with the bunker grid, and there's a, there's a train of thought that that's why the UFOs were looking at there, or at least it's a very interesting coincidence that this grid is warped there, and it was you know famous for a UFO landing. But um, but I digress. How, how do they measure that it's warped? Well, you can do so if you got the physics equipment, you can measure it, and I, you know my physics doesn't extend that far to know that. Um, but the um, if you got dowsers, you know those people that like douse for underground like water or something yep, else. Yep. Usually that's how it's done because it's the easiest way to do it, and you can okay. and it's scientific. So you can get five dowsers in the field and say map the banker grid or map like these like type three energy lines, or whatever. And it, you know, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's scientifically rigorous. Like they'll put it in the same place if they're any good. So so um, so. Uh, okay, so there's these big energy lines that kind of crisscrossing and they're different widths and different properties. Now, when these um, ultra-low sound frequency lines cross over, they form these vortexes. Um, and when there's particularly big ones of those, uh, you get a big energy node. And where you get a big energy node, basically always you get a big sacred site. So if you show me a sacred site, particularly a big one, I will show you an energy node there where these lines cross over and there's a particular pattern formed on these uh, on, on these like um, like nodes, vortexes. Um, so, so the, the the cool thing is over in the West Country here, we've got this particularly oh, powerful qu- yeah. question. Question. I'm going to raise my hand to interrupt yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. Is the okay? Is there there's a site I'm planning on visiting in about two weeks? How would I? Is there a map where I can look up whether it falls on ley lines? Yeah. So it's hard to find, but like the, your best bet because you're in. Bulgaria, which country? That's right. Yeah. Bulgaria. Yeah. Okay. So the best bet is like call up the Dowsing Society of the capital city of Bulgaria. What's the capital city of Bulgaria? Sofia. Sofia. So that's Dowsing that's Dowsing Society. They wouldn't name it that though. But anyways, okay. yeah. Is there a place, not a place for the Dowsers? Yeah. Go on. Is, is there not just some map on the internet? Well there, well, there may be. So, so it may, I mean, you could like, look, for the famous ones, like the Michael and Mary line, which co- goes from the east of England to the west. Yeah, you can find a bunch of lines for that. But the ones in Bulgaria, like maybe they exist and someone's put them out there. Maybe not. It's going to be very hit and miss, mostly myths. What I would say, though, is like contact, contact the Dowsing Society or whatever they're called in your country. Speak to them and say, look, I'm going to this sacred site. I'm virtually certain that there will be a massive energy node there and I would like to see where the energy lines are and they will be able to give you a map. Probably, I mean, like you could probably pay for a Dowser to make one if there isn't one, but like if this sacred site is of note, I would bet you a very sizable sum of cryptocurrency or precious metals that there will in fact be a uh, active or broken node at that place. 
Aha, yeah, okay. It's a place called the Rilla Monastery. So it's yeah, the, the movie. Okay. Movie. Yeah. Okay. Should should I like go there and um like dance naked in the woods or uh yes. do do something something with water? I don't know. Well, okay, okay. So 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 the, the cool thing about these things is like um so the lines themselves amplify consciousness and the, the and the vortex, the energy nodes themselves like uh do other interesting things with consciousness. And remember, like, I, I, I'm not a dualist. So I don't think, oh, there's spirituality here and then there's materialist science here. And, you know, they're just, they're two separate things. I think there's such a load of bollocks. Like, I think there's one universe where the two, both consciousness and, uh, you know, material expression of consciousness, like, seamlessly fit together. So anyway, they, they have all sorts of interesting effects with physics and consciousness and stuff at these places so just by attending them ideally in a sort of like um non-trivial sort of way you know it will have an effect on on your on your psyche by just attending the site if you want to go take it up a level what i would do is find the center of the energy node if you're able to do that so that's where the dowsers would would help you out like because they'll know that where the node center is and then or we what you probably may just ask to... monks the monks probably have some idea they may or may not, but again, because it's the age, the end of the age of the Pisces, a lot of the monks, monks are going to have like big shadow problems. And you go to them and you ask a highfalutin question like this, and say, "Oh, um, by the way, do you know where the energy node is?" Like, then suddenly they're in, they had this persona of being a, a super spiritual monk that shattered by your high level question, and now they're going to feel insecure and they're going to be undermining you. So, unfortunately, that will happen. That happens a lot in spiritual circles. Which is why, like, I won't join any of those fucking organizations because you ah. get too much of that business in. But so, if they're, if they're real spiritual seekers, they should be, feel really secure about it, and they'll 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 take your question seriously, or probably they won't know that they'll they'll know it's a very spiritual place, and they'll know their version of spirituality, but they won't know how it intersects with the Earth energy lines. Um, anyway, find out where the where the center is. And then what you want to do is orbit the s- sacred site. So, so like, uh, and then if you, if you want to be oriented to God and go with it, with the energy of the universe, do it in the Northern hemisphere, do it in a clockwise fashion, just as the sun goes around the, uh, the earth. So too, do you mirror that in correspondence as above, so below as within, so without, and that's how a lot of like theurgy or miracle magic is done with the law of correspondence. Okay. So, okay. So you, so you go clockwise, or if you want to be all satanic and you go in for some, Satanic ritual abuse, which I don't think you would want to do, but other people listening might want to do, then go around the thing anti-clockwise, and then and then you're embodied by the law of correspondence, you're embodying the, pr- the principle of inversion. Then you might wish to go to the center of the energy line, and you might wish to do a prayer, you might wish to do a meditation. If no one's around, you might wish to do like, <laughs> like a ritual or something. Like uh, uh, but like, but it's a place where yeah, amb- babe. <laughs> we can do a ritual. <laughs> Yeah, um, but like you know, it'll be it'll have to be fast. Sorry. We'll make it loving and intense, and it would be very spiritual. Yeah, 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 loving and intense. Yeah, yeah, it would it would be a very good thing. Um, interestingly, the, these energy maybe, maybe maybe I could do brain training. Maybe Probably that would be very training. good as long as, as as long as it wasn't locked in the intellect, which I think is a danger that you and I would have. Right, we get too obsessed with our own intellect, and it gets disconnected from like you know the the, the emotions and the other parts of our psyche. I think as long as you connected it with, so it was like visceral and felt and emotional, maybe linked with other archetypal forces. I think that would be very powerful. Um, 
but these 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 nodes they like they they tend to go they, they analyze they tend to pass through playgrounds or like in Bath which is a city just like which I'm just outside they uh, they part there's a, a node that moved from outside the church during the lockdown and and into a courtyard where music was being played all the time so they gravitate to that kind of like joyful emotional kind oh. of energy you see um so yeah and then you, you know if you get more advanced and progress more with your with your spiritual stuff you can do more interesting things at these things um but just the, the curious thing about the earth energies john is just attending these places is a uh you know, I don't know if anyone's seen Dune. Have you ever seen the film Dune? The new one? Uh, the new, old, read the book. Oh, um, sure, yeah. I saw the new one. Yeah, yeah. World-class cinematography. World-class filmmaking. But like, For sure. But like, yeah. it's, kind of, it's kind of like taking the spice. You know, like you go, to, you go to these places and it will evolve you, not from the material in, but from the inner planes. That, that There's very interesting mechanisms there which will evolve your, uh, your psyche. Okay, well, I'll try to resist the temptation to be taking uh, selfies every three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, if you do, you'll amplify that sort of expression of narcissism at that sacred site, which would be a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, although there's probably a lot of other people doing doing the same thing. I I, I imagine, but yeah, I'll, we'll I, we'll do our best to make the most out of it. So let's see another topic on. So you are communicating with a lot of people via Odyssey, LBRY, the these people that are they are they are all at different steps amongst the along this uh, journey towards truth and away from the mainstream deceptive uh, lamestream version of reality. How do you deal with people that maybe in your personal life, friends, family, colleagues, who are not on that pathway at all? Yeah, that's such an interesting question. And like, don't you think it's really, it's a question that all of us have to ask ourselves as we go through this time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, for example, I think it was about a year ago, maybe it was a year and a half ago, I wrote this letter to my family members. I wrote a private, it was like three, four pages long. I wrote this detailed letter to them. I said, dear dad, dear mom. Um, and I said, I said, I, I said I, I itemized and made a uh, airtight logical emotional case why they shouldn't take the COVID vaccine. Um, and <laughs> I, 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 I had like some really good arguments in there. I linked out to sources and then I concluded and I said, hey, you might think I'm crazy, but at least I care about you. And so doesn't, you know, doesn't that make it worthwhile for you to consider what I have to say here? And it was it was totally ineffective. I, I convinced none of them uh, not to take the COVID vax. And at that point, I was like, you know, maybe, maybe the trying to red pill the the family member, family members trying to or or trying to trying to red pill the people that you're in um, that are that are the relationships that are uh, imposed upon you by accident of birth. Um, 
if it is an accident, I don't know, maybe you have a yeah, yeah, I disagree that. with that, but that's a whole other topic. I, I think, I think, you know, who you incarnate with is, is very specific, but yeah, keep, keep, keep going. Sure. So, so now I'm leaning towards, I'm leaning towards saying like, don't, don't try to red pill people or, or try to convince people of thing uh, of, of, you know, a more uh, empirical, uh, deeper, more nuanced kind of worldview that yeah. me and you and everybody on ODS on, on Odyssey and LBRY shares. I'm leaning that way. But then there's all, there'd also be people that would say like, no, if you love your friends and family, then you should have uncomfortable conversations with them. Would did, What's your personal experience on this? What's your, yeah. what's your take? Well, like I, I like your story there because, like, I think it's quite um, like archetypal. Like, so I, I recognize so many of my interactions like that, taking that kind of like story arc that you expressed, where like you're fucking frantically using every bit of like logic and emotional skill you can just to ring the alarm bell in this like terrible Cassandra complex. Like, look, there's no evidence here, and 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 you're meeting this brick wall of of the Overton window that was put there by by the controllers and stuff, and. And it, and it was that part. I remember just that was very hard to deal with at that point, and the, and 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 the, the pain, the, the twisting of the knife to know that you're right, to know that you were right, and then for every month to go by and like more and more evidence to come out to to validate your initial position, uh, it, it's particularly painful. Um, but then, but then you, you know you you hinted later that like you kind of chill out about it a bit more and like. So my, my journey has been very similar to you like that. My position is anyone that asks me in a sincere fashion, um, like I will do what I can to help them because I think it's a very fucking serious issue. And I don't want anyone taking these poison death shots. Um, but that said, like people's bodies are people's bodies, you know, and, and their own, they're entitled to their own dumb ideas and they're entitled to their, you know, to, to, to their own curses and that kind of thing, just as I am too. And I wish to be like that. And, um, you know, if it's, it's, if it's their fate to go firebomb for another great year, for another like 25,000 years and go round the karmic cycle again and like learn more and grow more and mature more as a soul, then probably that's what they've got to do. And, and that's that. But it's, but it, but the other side is also true. Like if, if anyone ever asked me, I'm very serious about helping them, you know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's probably, this is probably a good place to bring the philosophy that you shouldn't care about people more than they care about themselves. And oh, explain that. I haven't heard that one. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's, it's uh, beautifully simple, right? Is that if, if, if people uh, don't care to go and do some research uh, go on PubMed um, to research uh, a to to get a diversity of opinions on uh, taking a radical uh, physical intervention into their body. If people don't care about themselves that much, like like the I'll get I'll get like a supplement. I'll, I'll get like a a little supplement, some vitamin, and I'll be like, okay, I need to look. I need to go through PubMed before I take this, some little, some little supplement in the white bottle from the, from the, from the pharmacy. Um, and if people don't, if people are going to take a radical uh, mRNA um, therapy 
and they're not even gonna they, they don't even want to hear two sides of the debate which is which is that you're not even asking them to read a book or read the abstract of a study on pubmed you're just saying hey listen to cnn and then listen to fox <laughs> listen to listen to these two like like oppositional perspectives and then make your decision and if people don't even care enough about their own bodies for that then like then i shouldn't care uh which is which is it's difficult when it's friends family and loved ones but that's probably the healthier that's probably the healthier perspective well, well I, I think it's part of the healthier perspective I, I think that's part of the um yeah part of the picture but like I, I would say that these people are suffering and their ignorance is 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 is, is making them suffer and that and you know that the reason why they're not looking at different opinions is perhaps they don't have the intellectual faculties to do it or more likely their intellects are just fine but like they're locked into these like cognitive biases based on sort of propaganda and, and um, you know, emotional manipulation and things that they're just not aware of. And, and, and they're victims and they're abuse victims, which all of us down here at this age are. And then, and then so, so the other part of the equation is a bit of compassion. Like, you know, if, like just, just, just like me and you, like, we're, I mean, we know some things and then we're fucking ignorant and, and, and retarded in other areas. And I would hope that someone that's less retarded than me will help me out despite my moral and character, like insufficiencies, you know? So, so I think a balance between like the compassion and maybe like, you know, the hardness of like, look, man, you work it out on your own. Like, I think like there's, there's an intersection between those two points that um, we in the freedom movement uh, want to have. Oh, your wife has such lovely energy. Yeah. 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 She, she does about uh, King Charles. I, I'll tell you something. When I was a young teenager, like 13 years old, I studied this form of karate and it was called a ninsho ru. I studied it for maybe three or four years after I got my black belt in Taekwondo. And it was a Christian version of karate. They took uh, karate and then they applied like Christian spirituality to the practice of karate, which of course is like the most American thing, which is we're going to take the Asian martial art and we're going to make it Christian and make it great again. Right. Um, and so, so in this, uh, in my dojo, there was this messianic Jew there, this, uh, he was, uh, he was a computer programmer who was a Messianic Jew, so a Christian Jew, married to this hot Venezuelan chick with these two really cute kids. And uh, this guy was like, this guy was like the one that, that set me on my course in life as like a, as like a conspiracy theorist, uh, esoteric, uh, curious, because he... Okay, so so because just so I can frame this guy right, so like so he was an effective spiritual guy. He wasn't just all woo woo. He he did it and he delivered. Is that type? Was he spiritual? I guess yeah. He was somewhat spiritual, but he was yeah. He was a programmer, a martial no, no, artist. No, no, no. His his spiritual practice worked. It delivered. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I mean, he had a pretty pretty cute wife. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Any, anyway. Yeah. So, so he set you off on the conspiracies and all this kind of thing. Yeah. And so he wrote this book. He wrote a 600 page book with about 
600 footnotes in it, like a book like this. And it was all about how Prince Charles was the Antichrist. And this guy was like, he was really convinced of this. And I, I read this, this whole book and he made a pretty convincing case. And so now that he's going to be uh, the king, like the whole world's going to discover if that idea is as crazy as it sounded. Well, well, let's let's build on that. So, so like, I mean, um, you know, uh, uh, your the, the Antichrist thing, it's pretty, it's pretty sound. Like after reading Jung and you know understanding that you have these ages, which are these like psychic substructures, a couple of layers into the inner planes, into the psyches that move through us on Earth, rather like a mag a magnetic field moves through iron filings, and we're cut. And at the end of the age of Pisces. You get the Antichrist, just as at the beginning of it, you've got to have the Christ. Just It just has to be there. So it's it's baked into the psychic substructure of, of, of the time. And mm -hmm. then the question is, well, if that's true, and I trust Jung a lot because he's a badass motherfucker, like, uh, then, and he's usually right about pretty much everything. And it's like, okay, well, then then who is it? And uh, yeah, maybe it's him. I mean, like the, the, the royals are very high up in the hierarchy of the, um, the cabal. So may, maybe it is him. Who knows? Yeah, in the in the Christian understanding of things, or if you read the prophecy, if, if you're a little bit more adroit than the average, I guess, churchgoer with the end times prophecy, it's it's it, it's there's a little bit of flexibility as to like whether there's like one dude who's the antichrist whether there's one bad dude or whether this is like kind of a uh, class of people that are going to be like misleading society so i wouldn't yeah like personally i'm not like looking out for like oh who is the one who's the one guy that's gonna like be the real bastard i i'm not i'm, I'm looking out for like a class uh uh, deceptive people that are going to be um, inverting uh, morality. Um, yeah. as, so, I, I'm, I'm not putting my money on like one guy, <laughs> the way uh, the way my uh, karate karate fellow practitioner did. Well, I I, I actually agree with you, and I, but but I think it's both. So like like there is a there is a class of people who you describe existing now, and they do have a formalized religion, like on on that kind of thing. So, so that exists, but I do believe quite strongly uh, after reading Jung that there will be one individual guy as well. And the reason is like these, these ages and things and the way, like once you understand like little bits about how the psyche works, there are patterns with it and the way Pisces goes, it's, it's the two fish, like kind of inverted together, you know, mm. one going that way, one going that way, rather like yin yang. And the way he described it at the beginning is he said like, there's this messianic impulse. There's this like, peak up for this messianic thing that was happening at the beginning of the age and some guy kind of got it here and some guy kind of got it here and then like boom the christ the the, the man jesus got it and that and that messianic like christ redeemer energy went right yeah. through him it didn't have to be him it could have been one of those other ones but they didn't quite they weren't quite there and 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 it, the way he's saying it is like look 
the other way has to balance it now. It's just like, it's rather like if you have a shadow, we were talking last time, but if you have a shadow, you've got to have a persona. Or if you have a persona, you've got to have a shadow. There's no getting out of it. Like it's a, it's a psycho spiritual certainty that just has to be there. Like if you have a mountain, you're going to have a valley. If you have it, the way he's talked about it is if you have a messiah, you've got to have like an anti-messiah. And I think it will go rather in the same way. There'll be this evil bastard here, like, oh, yeah, Hitler was pretty bad. Like, but there'll be one guy that channels that energy, that potentiality that exists already in the inner planes, and that will flow through them. And this phase of our story down here will take place with that actor playing that role generated in the inner planes. That's how I see it. Yeah, good, good thing Hillary Clinton didn't have a son or else we'd have to really, you know, he'd, he'd be suspicious for the role, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, better be careful what I say, I don't want to get whacked. <laughs> <laughs> so on your website, it says Bath Life Coach. And me and my wife were uh, making jokes about like you in the bath with the, with the rubber ducky and that you... You bring the life coaching to that domain, but uh, but 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 of course, of course, a uh, bath comes from the ruins of the Roman baths. There, can you still take a bath in the Roman baths? Yeah, it's still functional, and they used to let people do it once a year. But apparently, there's some sort of like microorganism in there that can cause problems, so that doesn't happen oh. so much. You, you, it's a tourist site. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a tourist it's a tourist site, so you can go visit there if you come to Bath. And actually the energy node that I was talking about earlier, like, cause the, so the big Abbey, the big church that looks like a cathedral and bath is like 20 meters away from the Roman bath. And the node switched from the cathedral to the uh, courtyard, which is in between two of those, like about 18, like, no, just, just after the scandemic started. So, so doubtless that node would have been in those baths at some point. It would be really easy for an earth energy person to move the node into the bath right now. Um, and yeah, magic would have been done there. I mean, they um, they they found like tablets to um, to, uh, to to the deity there, Sulis, um, which the Romans then like took on as Minerva. So they call it like Sulis Minerva. So it's the same archetype, but the different names from different traditions. And they and they put these like lead tablets. So lead is the correspond is, is the metal of Saturn. So it's like binding, constricting. It's good if you want to curse someone. And it's all about like, oh yeah, whoever stole my fucking like, helmet or whatever, like, or some like Roman legionary thing, curse them, you know, and it was thrown into this bath. So absolutely, it's a sacred site and it, and it has uh, magical properties if you know what to do with it. Or even if you don't, it still does. The, and you were talking about the vortex, and is that something that imbues medicinal properties to the, to the waters there, ostensibly? Yes. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So like, for example, if you go to Glastonbury, which if you're a spiritual person and you're in England, I highly recommend you do. At the bottom of Glastonbury Tor, uh, there's another smaller sacred site called the Chalice Well there. And it's got this spring that like makes this really delicious water there. And like, it's understood that like by having a spring, so many of these sacred sites are springs. It's understood that if you have like water coming out of one of these sacred sites, like the water takes on the uh, heightened spiritual energy that that uh, sacred site has. Yeah. Okay. So this has been productized. I'll show you. I'll show everyone this thing. This is called an analema. It's a wand, I suppose. So you can see that's 
full of water. And this is something I'm just experimenting with now. I'm going to be doing some more research on it and interviewing the inventor. But apparently the, the water that it contains is a highly coherent water, which is uh, been specially synthesized. They were mentioning things about uh, they take a year to specially uh, imbue this water with coherence um, so that it can imbue through the quartz crystal the coherent properties to any other water that you drink. And they even did a they did a rather small human study on this where they had a group of people drinking the water it's called they call it analema water which i smirk at because it contains the word anal um but uh it was not not the greatest uh naming choice on it especially for something shaped like anyways anyways uh We'll, we'll, we'll bring this back to an adult discussion. Um, so they did a study where they had people drinking the analema water and it decreased aging markers, uh, aging biomarkers pretty consistently. And I was, I was watching some documentaries about, uh, about bath and about the, um, energy vortexing of the water that occurs around these sites and i i need to talk to the inventor of this thing but i think i think they're trying to capture the same sort of uh dynamic in this uh in this product yeah yeah and so so what do you do you stick that in the water that you're drinking then and then and then it sort of like imbues it yeah yeah okay yeah yeah i mean like that seems to be the way it works i know there's like some frequency tech stuff where where they're working on this new scale of physics where you can get these like machines that imbue like water or like you know little metal balls and stuff with with this stuff and apparently the scientific evidence behind it you know is is pretty good but this is the thing if we can survive this this really difficult fifth generational war that we all appear to be in at the moment one of the things that's that's coming out of it now is this is this new science and spirituality that that meshes seamlessly together and you're going to get really weird stuff like that where you can go to a sacred site and get water but you can also achieve it in the lab like that and it has these really interesting knock-on effects not only in the psyche but in the materium where you're seeing things like you know telomeres getting longer or like certain hormonal changes and stuff like that so yeah yeah i love all that and yes at the sacred sites things like that do happen and it's one of the many reasons um might wish to explore them if you like yeah there i'll try to come up with some sort of experiment that i can do there and hopefully not make too much of a scene with my uh, tripod because tripods are always uh, deeply deeply disturbing to uh, security guards in these sorts of places yeah 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 so as as a life coach um do you i was wondering if you could share with us some uh, case studies or examples of times that you had life coaching clients that did something uh, counterintuitive or unconventional that allowed for them to break through a glass ceiling. Hmm. 
like I, I'm trying to think of examples of that and I'm always thinking of stuff that's pretty conventional so like oh we sorted their nutrition out or we like got them to like face their fear whatever their fear was and then pierced through or we identified all their toxic relationships and like got them to like exit that um I think that's that's quite a big one that a lot of people would find counterintuitive like sometimes your friends and family like really are gold and they should be cherished and you know like you should really deepen those relationships and sometimes like generations of narcissistic abuse is just baked into the whole system that the thing that you got to do is like put boundaries in place and like walk away um so that's a little counterintuitive um well then there must be like i feel like i do this all the time but like when you ask me this like nothing any 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 supplements any any specific supplements that people oh, yeah, are like saying is really game changers <sighs> game changing supplements i mean there's there's i've got this handout and there's like probably like 15 or so that are like piece by piece by piece i get like all, i try to get all my clients on it and there's stuff like we mentioned earlier it's things like magnesium iodine b12 like it's all the vanilla stuff like that um had a lot of clients that like have gone into cambo ceremonies and they've had very positive results from that so that's one of one of my favorite spiritual practices is to do uh cambo maybe i could talk about that for a little bit yeah that's a psychedelic i'm not a big fan of psychedelics but yeah tell me about your uh positive experiences with it cambo's not psychedelic it's uh okay. but it's from it, it's from the, the sort of like south american sham shamanistic tradition mm -hmm. so um so what, what it is, is, is it's like a wax from a frog called Filmaduce abicola that lives in the Amazon. Uh, but that's in the material. I mean, in the inner plane, like they, they have a belief, which I agree with, that Cambo is a wise teacher. It's like a kind of like a mega shaman. And what happens is you take, you burn holes in the skin, you take the wax off the frog and you apply it onto these holes. And then these peptides, so short protein chains, come through the body and have all these cleansing um, sort of epigenetic effects. And that's the way you can look at this experience if you're a materialist. But I, I'm not a materialist. So what, what happens is you, you, you undergo this communing with your consciousness and the consciousness of Cambo. And there's also like the third party, like the Cambo practitioner that's running the experiment, sort of not experiment, the uh, ceremony. So there's like three people in the room there. And then what happens is like you throw up a lot hard. And as you do this, like your energy and your psyche is, is shifting and sort of moving around kind of like um like a chiropractor or something but for the, for the various inner planes and then as you're throwing up you're you're because you do that a lot you throw up hard a lot in these cambo ceremonies and uh and it's, it's kind of releasing these negative thought patterns and then the bit which is almost psychedelic but not quite is afterwards you lay down often there's a lot a lot of shivering afterwards and that's as like a sort of like the old way gives way to the new and there's a lot of shivering um just really weirdly like like I, I i once like a couple of times i've been to like fetish parties before and this is really off key but i think it's the same phenomenon and i've seen it where like like the there was these girls getting like spanked like and like whipped because like that was their fetish and that was someone's fetish it was a sadist doing that and it's fair enough enjoy what you want like but there's this really weird thing like afterwards what happened is they started shivering and they started crying and there's this thing called sub drop which is like a principle of that where they like they need a blanket and i, I can see this lady face clearly like shivering afterwards and, I, and and it comes to mind now because i think it's some it's exactly the same or almost the same thing that happens in the cambo ceremony where like when there's a sudden shift in the inner planes there's this shivering in the body that takes place 
as like one type of reality now moves into another one because the body is the same, right? But it now has to catch up with this huge adjustment that's been made in the inner. And I think, I think both in, in the expression of sub-drop and in the shivering you get after a cambo ceremony, I, I think they're both the same thing. Anyway, so, so, so that happens. And then you get all these waking dreams, which are really interesting. <laughs> it's, it's just like the film June, which I'm mentioning for a second time in the show. How long well, do those persist? Oh, like half an hour or something, like 45 okay. minutes. It's so weird, man. You, you're asleep, but not asleep. And these dreams, just like the way it is in the film June, like just keep flashing before you. And it's, it's so visceral and weird, really cool. Anyway, um, and, then, and then afterwards, things change. You certainly feel very, very different after that. And things change. And, and there's so much more I could say about Cambo, but I'm, you know, brevity prevents me uh, going into it. But like, um, Cambo has certainly been one of the most potent spiritual tools that I use. I do it at least four times a year. I'd like to do it more often. And I think I will do it more often to get me through this part of the great awakening. That's something that some of my clients have done and found extremely life-changing. Aha. And the, that's probably... That's probably like people that they have some sort of uh, really deeply ingrained kind of trauma that's keeping them in the same in the same track in life, and then they do something like combo, and then or combo combo, and then they and then that breaks them out of that particular orbit. Well, it's it's even deeper than that. I think it includes what you're saying, but includes more things too, like. The, the way to look at the psyche, right, is the way the occultists talk about it. The, the inner plaint. It's just, on the one hand, I don't like that term because it sounds a little pompous and I want to try and remove pomposity from the whole of my life forever. But like, nevertheless, it's a very accurate term because that's the way to look at the psyche. There's all these different manifestations of mind. The last one, of course, being the physical world that you experience through your body and its sense organs. So so what what happens is you've got like a very potent, spiritual force coming in and communing with you and shifting things in these inner planes now what you were referring to there is what i think the kabbalists would refer to as netzak which is like you know like one of these little spheres on the tree of life and it's the expression of the psyche which is to do with like um energy emotional energy filled imagination that's the sphere of netzak and like, I think like when it comes, that can certainly be adjusted uh, with something like Cambo, but it isn't exclusively that. I think like things archetypally sh can shift. I think your thinking can shift. Um, physical, biological things do shift. I mean, you talk to Cambo practitioners and say, tell me about times people's physical injuries shifted. And they'll give you loads of examples of all sorts of physical ailments disappearing after a oh, Cambo. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really potent. But like, but my, my point is that's, that's interesting, but it's not the main of it. The other shifts that happen in these much more subtle, much more impactful inner planes are the, are, are the things that interest me more than merely healing the physical body. Mm -hmm. Okay. Something else in the life coaching department. I have done a fair amount of that myself. I'm usually working with a couple of clients at any given time. And Maybe you can give me some insight. Maybe there's something I'm missing. I am surprised at uh, the people that pay me quite handsomely that make a significant investment in 
some issue that they need a coach for so that they can finally move forward in some area of life. But then they, but then they don't follow through. Um, That is, that is, that, that is mystifying. That is mystifying to me. Um, And it's, it's happened. I would say it's, it happens particularly when I am dealing with guys and I tell them that they need to quit porn or cut back on it drastically to um, either to fix their relationships or to get into a relationship or to uh, or to improve mood. I'm I'm surprised at the number of people that don't that don't do that, especially when they've when they've paid a coach to uh keep them accountable to that um do you have do you have an approach to increasing the the stick with itness on that sort of thing yeah many many and and, and what but, but what you're describing is such such a big problem because it's like you might speak to an alcoholic and like do this cost benefit analysis and you get this big thing and well these there's these advantages here of quitting alcohol and there's these really big disadvantages of staying and it's it's a no-brainer you should quit and yet they drink two bottles of vodka that evening so so there's clearly something beyond the intellect which is like sort of like channeling them into a behavior that's negative i mean you mentioned porn there for example it's 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 another thing um so so an understanding that the psyche includes the intellect in which you're formidable at, by the way, it's one of the, one of the things I find particularly attractive about you, and one of the things I enjoy about our conversations. You, Thank you. I, I am on very potent smart drugs. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you give got credit it. where credit is due. <laughs> you got it, and it's 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 delightful to be able to like sort of like meet you at that and like you know go back and forth. It's it's really fun, but like it, it's not the only expression of the psyche. And like, I mean, we were talking earlier about like you know you you, you spent all that effort and passion and used every bit of energy you had to give that letter to your parents and your family members to say, look, this injection is a bad idea, don't do it. And yet some other force from beyond that domain, like a black hole, sucked them into it. And then the question is, well, what is that black hole? And what is that force? And what are these other parts of the psyche that I, you know, I, I don't understand? Brevity prevents me going into that question, but there's, but there's a lot more to it. And so, to be, so you want to, I think, to be a really good life coach, um, you want to be like Paracelsus. I mean, you could be specific and say, like, look, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I make your body good, and that's that. But I think, for me, the whole the, the thing that's exciting about the life coach is let's look at the physical body. Let's look at the nutrition. Let's look at the the biohacking and the nootropics and stuff. Let's look at the surface level psychology stuff that you get in Western psychology, like the the, the cool insights from cognitive psychology and behaviorism and all the rest of it. Let's look at the archetypal stuff. Let's look at the higher spiritual realms and like everywhere in between. And some like problems often persist in all of those domains to some degree, like it'll be mostly spiritual, but manifesting a little bit in all these other ones. But sometimes like, it's just like, look, you really have to tackle this one in the physical. Or this is a fucking bad thinking thing. Tackle this one in, in in the intellect, you know. Um, but really, I think what's exciting about our craft, John, is like you have lots of tools for all these different domains, and then you have the wisdom to know when to apply something spiritually or when to go biologically or whatever. But I would say a, a meta tool amongst all that thing, and what's something that you know, the, probably the darker part of my psyche finds quite 
quite some delight in is having this ability to like handcuff yourself to your clients. There's like, imagine there's like a handcuff where it's their wrist oh, wow. is yours. And it's like that. It's like, right, no, you can't leave. Tell me about your problems. And then, and then like knowing how to like, just being like a jujitsu master and knowing how to master all the defensiveness and all the various obfuscations and defense mechanisms and the rest of it. And then to bring it back to the center every time and say, no, here is what you're hiding from. Here is your cognitive dissonance. It's here. And, uh, and I find that quite fun, but it, but it's effective and, and you need to do that because often underneath that initial problem that you were showing me of like look they just don't they're not consistent and like we explain it and they just don't go through with it a big i think probably underneath most if not all of that is some expression of denial and you know being a good coach means knowing how to like you know just slice through the denial and relentlessly expose the cognitive dissonance and uh, like i say a darker part of my psyche finds that rather fun do you, when you start with someone do you ask them something like, uh, on a scale of one to ten, how confrontational can I can I be with you? Yeah, and often they tell me that. Like, and the best clients I've had, like I got one client in New York uh, who 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 um who's, who he just says, "Look, fucking give it to me, give it to me." And he's he's progressed so far in this last year as he's transformed, and it's he. Maybe I can be a little self-aggrandizing here. So he's, he said, like, he was really depressed when I met the guy. And, like, for the last month or so, like, every session, he's just like, you know, Rich, I'm still working hard, still got these challenges and everything, but, like, I'm happy. I'm really happy these days. And it's it's because, I mean, obviously I helped him with the coaching and stuff, but it's because I was like, you sure you can handle this? He's like, yep, tell it to me. All right, well, here's your fucking problem. And he's like, okay, I'll work on that. And then, like, the, the, the next time he does it and the next time he does it. And I think it's because he was he's, he's a great personal trainer. And actually, like, he's so used to pushing through pain. He was able to take that skill and then apply it to a domain that he wasn't so skillful in, in, in his case, and the spiritual and, and the psychological. Um, but, no, I mean, I think if you're a good coach, like, you, you know, and you, your experience probably shows this, like, you you, you, you got to test for that all the time. And just because you can fucking slice through someone's cognitive dissonance, doesn't mean you always should. Um, and so, so you're like, so I ask permission all the time. It's like, look, do you want me to push this? Shall I push this? And then, and then when they have that, when you have their permission, they're then an active participant in it. And then it just makes the whole thing a lot more respectful rather than just saying, right, Dick, here's your shadow material. You've been hiding from this for 40 years. Go work it out. Like you can do that. And on rare occasion, that is the right thing to do. Mostly it's not the right thing to do. And it, it's, it's mostly not a very respectful thing to do. Do you think a deep dive into the client's psychology and personal history is a, a mandatory part of the life coaching relationship? Well, like, this is a cool thing. So, like, all, you, life coaches have their own way of doing it, right? But for me, it's close to mandatory. Yeah. Because it's like, how can I talk about, if I was coaching you, for example, like, how could I talk about your being whilst ignoring, like, these slices of everything that you are? You know, like, like sometimes if I had one session with you and it was on one specific problem that wasn't to do with the psychology, yeah, maybe. But like, but but, but I, I no, slobber you know. on I slobber on the pillow at night sometimes. What about, well, I'm not sure what's going on there. Well, probably it's a little, bit, it's a little some, bit odd. 
Yeah, it's probably got some archetypal psychological fucking Oh, yeah, thing. yeah, I bet. You know, I like... probably need to do psychedelics to figure it out. <laughs> well, it certainly would help. <laughs> <Very likely. laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, that, but it comes back to this, like, Paracelsus-style idea where you have all these different planes of, of being, which we do, and then you need to have interventions that tackle all those, those different uh, planes of, of, of our beings. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it is a... Maybe some people, have you had, okay, uh, of your clients, what percentage would you say have, there's some sort of sexual issue at play? Many. Like, I mean, Many. We're, we're, like we're, over yeah, 50%? I mean, yeah, probably something like that. Like, because I mean, like, it's, it's one of the main ways that we, one of the big ways that we've all been abused down here, you know, since the middle ages and stuff. And like most people down here at this time have hangups about how their sexual energy works. So yeah, it's not the biggest problem often, but, and then, and also there's a lot of stuff like rape and sexual abuse and stuff like that, that everyone's got to get over. So it's fucking common. It is what it is. Yeah. Did you, did you look into the dispensa meditation that we chatted about last time? I didn't, but I like the idea of it. It sounds it sounds very cool. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to link people in the show notes to this 50-minute transformative meditation track. And this is something that I found pretty indispensable for making my sexuality kind of like a phalanx, okay? Like, I probably for... Most men, their sexuality is like a squadron of chickens that are that are fighting, um, that are pulling in 10 different directions. And having used this meditation track, I, uh, I, I did, I've done several sessions at this point uh, meditating on being a one woman kind of man and being a focused like a laser sexually as opposed to uh as opposed to the shotgun kind of approach and i do have a history of some promiscuity and i in the past i had thought i always wanted to be like a husband um but i never thought that i would be able to focus on on one woman sexually and be in a position where you're inevitably a man with uh, testosterone in his blood is going to face a temptation in the world. Uh, random things that pop up on social media, advertisements, uh, attractive lady walking down the street. In temptation is an inevitability. But in my experience, having having gone through this mindset transformation meditation several times now temptation sexual temptation is like brushing a bug off of my sleeve it really is that easy at this point which would have surprised me uh five ten years ago and i am able to take whatever uh involuntary sexual impulses arise and I'm able to take uh, my wife and take her beautiful body and put it there in that image that my lizard brain, that the barbaric part of my brain delivers up to me. 
I'm able to take my wife, who I love, who I have deep spiritual, intellectual connection with, and substitute her for whatever temptation arises. And that that it has been very, it has given my life a lot of clarity to have my sexuality as a phalanx, which is like the group of Romans that have got their shields tight together and they're pushing as a team in a single direction. That has given me, that has given me a lot of, a lot of clarity. And um, yeah, and perhaps, perhaps I need to be a bit more assertive and confrontational with some of my male clients so that I can give them, give them that. Well, well, the, I mean, well, to your first point, like I, you seem to have a, a lovely relationship with your wife who, who, who has very beautiful energy. So you're, you're an authority. Thanks. No, no, you do. You do. It's, it's lovely to see. So, so, you know, maybe I'll have to take a leaf out of your book on that one. Um, but, but, but with the clients, like, I, th- I think like what I've learned through experience is like, you got to know when to push and when to let off, when to push, when to let off. Yeah. So it's, it's a mix of both, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'll, I'm going to experiment with this and I'll probably, I'll probably screw it up some, I'll probably screw it up some, but, uh, yeah, really there was. Uh, there was, there's a book, I haven't read it. It's called Libido, Doma, Libido Dominandi. And the book is on how in modernity, we are enslaved politically by the manipulation of our individual lusts. And so if we can give people back the control over their sexuality, especially giving men back control over their sexuality, there's, yeah, there's on an individual level and on a societal level, there's a beautiful freedom that is that is, that is that is beckoning to us if we can master our lusts uh, a little a, a little bit. So yeah, this is one of these things I'm going to continue to work with people on and ex- and and experiment with because I think it might be kind of the key it might be a very important key towards getting us towards a more utopian and free future yeah so i think you express that so poetically and beautifully and i and, and I, I would just put the emphasis like i i think it's a key it's a major one it's one of the big ones and we are definitely being abused through things like porn and you know the way that our, <laughs> our libido is running around like angry chickens or whatever like that's true but it but it, it but it's one key uh, and you're gonna <laughs> like lots of the other ones fixed as so all right well i think this is probably a good spot for me to direct people to go and check out your channel on odyssey lbry richard's channel is a little bit different than mine in that he does live streams a couple of times a week and so I would suggest that people go and check out those live streams and then and then interact interact with him a bit cuz I the live streaming thing is not quite it's not quite for me. I, I in fact I did a video. I did a video in the coolest co-working space I've ever been in in my life and it's a it's it's a rather sexy video. People are going to have to go and check out check out this video. It's a rather sexy video. And I go on this epic rant on why I hate live streams. And so I'm not going to be doing live streams, but people can go over to Richard's live streams and uh, interact with 
with him a bit and uh, he can tell you some more about, he, he takes things from a little bit different angle than I do. And I think that people will be able to synthesize some of those perspectives and become just a bit more dangerous. Yeah, that's, that's the idea. Like, and it's all about synthesis. Like, you know, and I'm sure if we talked longer, like there, there's so many more insights that you can have from, from, from your domains that would benefit me. I know, I know if I asked you more questions, like, like I did at the beginning, for example, um, that would certainly add to what I, I've got going on. Definitely. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, stick around. And to everyone else, I'm Jonathan Roseland with Limitless Mindset talking with Richard Harris, and we look forward to a continued conversation with you.